0: Xbox on welcome to Xbox on a podcast with one host about one console the Xbox one I am said host Jesse DeRosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 17th 2019 including Cortana has been completely cut from the Xbox one more staffing shakeups hit 343 industries and call of duty modern warfare will not have loot boxes all that and some more coming right up This week, I'd just like to take a moment of silence for my dearly beloved Xbox Connect, which uh, just this week decided to eat shit. You see, I turned on my Xbox and I got a notification, which will lead into our first news story. But it prompted me to say, you know, I haven't calibrated my Connect in a minute. I haven't really used it in a, in a minute. Let's uh, recalibrate that so it's you know working in, in proper order so you know I can be in one of those commercial like experiences where I'm like chopping onions in the kitchen and my hands are tied up and I just say Xbox pause or something you know and it stops playing that ICP I'm listening to in the background but no turns out my Xbox's connect is actually fucking broken so I, I tried everything I tried recalibrating a billion times I tried unplugging it I tried blowing on the cable like an n64 cartridge i tried waiting i tried praying but i think my connect has just uh has just eaten shit and it's now it's now time to say goodbye so i will keep it plugged in i will keep it on top of the xbox in the center of my uh, entertainment center you know just to to kind of pay tribute to the wonderful peripheral that never got the respect it deserved uh, along with this week's first news story i think it's uh, time for the connect as we knew it to really just uh Go the fuck away because apparently it was too good for this world and, and this audience couldn't appreciate it. So I love you, Connect. I appreciate the the many years of joy and the uh, novel little gimmicks you you brought to my gaming experience, and you will be missed. Additionally, before we get into this week's news, rate my show five stars. Remember, iTunes five stars, nice comments, and if you could be anonymous with your review title so I don't know who it is, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, just because I don't want to know who's saying what, because it will greatly impact my perception of who you are as a person. And let's be honest, if in the future, I don't know, a future employer or someone ever finds out that you support this show in any way, shape or form, it could probably cause great detriment to your your career, it basically be like a, a like the Me Too of podcast, of passive podcast listening. So, for your benefit and mine, just anonymous five star reviews. Share it with your friends. I'm trying to get this show as big as it can, with the hopes that one day I can be on Joe Rogan. So let's uh, let's make that happen for me. All right, that means it's the news time. Time to take a seat on the carpet, everyone. Crisscross applesauce. We're gonna talk about some goddamn news. So. Our first story this week is actually not an official story. It's kind of related to my little uh, pre-show tangent I just did there, which is that um, Cortana's no longer on Xbox, the device uh, where she made the most thematic sense. But um, I turned on my Xbox. This is the same time I found out my Kinect was broken, uh, and... I got hit with this little notification from Microsoft. That's that's all like, hey, just so you know, Cortana doesn't work on your Xbox Connect anymore. If you wanna if you wanna have a voice assist, you can either install the client for Google Assistant, um, Amazon Alexa, or you can basically just fuck right off and revert back to the default settings um, that the Xbox One had before Cortana was even on. Xbox One, which I think she was introduced in like 2015, 2016. So I'm not sure if like I missed this somewhere in one of the recent weeks' news stories about the introduction of of uh, Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, or if this is just like one of those random ass things where like Microsoft really didn't say anything about it and then just kind of pulled the uh, the the, carpe- the pulled the rug under the carpet or how he pulled the pulled the court behind the heart poured the, poured the the sauce over the the. So I don't really know what happened, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, you can no longer use Cortana with your Xbox One. You can no longer use her to navigate, take screenshots, any of the things you used to be able to do. She can't tell you about the weather. She can't tell you jokes anymore. So like I said, you can revert back to the kind of early assistant-less days of the Xbox commands that you had when the Xbox One first launched. But nope, no Cortana allowed anymore. This strikes me as a real weird one since uh, Microsoft kind of insists that Cortana is not dead despite a lot of people, in the a lot of Microsoft fans out there kind of uh, insinuating that Microsoft's trying to kill off Cortana and that they've written it off as kind of a failed project, especially with Windows 10 PCs. I mean, that's that's where people assume that it's going to go away next, but that seems to be where it's the strongest in my opinion. But they recently introduced Cortana functionality on like new devices like last year's Surface headphones and these uh, soon to be released Surface earbuds. So I just like, I don't understand why we're getting this mixed messaging of like, we're removing cortana from xbox we're adding it to this new hardware we're, we're creating and it, even like as windows 10 continues to receive new updates cortana is always there cortana is now its own dedicated app and everything it's just like i don't know it's, it's weird I, i'm not sure what the plan is for cortana obviously kind of unrelated to xbox microsoft is trying to move cortana more into like a like a productive tool rather than kind of the same gimmicky voice assistant that uh, siri and google insists and everything else is that we're like all it really does is play music and tell you jokes so I, I know that there's like this push to kind of take the dna of cortana and make it more of like somehow a productive assistant for when you're using like, microsoft office programs and things like that and so maybe that's why they're removing it from xbox because they don't see how that integration uh, kind of parallels with with gaming uh, or if maybe this is just a step back until they figure out what's next But, I mean, this is the first bit of... I I know a lot of Microsoft fans have been claiming that Cortana's been dead for a while now, and I I tend to not buy into that idea. Maybe it's just out of my own ignorance and and desire to push the idea that Cortana's alive and well, despite the world going up in flames around her. Um, But it seems like... I mean, this is the first bit of news that's, like, actually kind of hit me in a a kind of maybe Cortana's fucked sort of way. So, if you liked Cortana... Well, fuck you. It's not there on Xbox anymore. Um, you can use the stupid Google Assistant. You can use the, the Amazon one that lets you buy shit. And you can just use the default settings, which is what I would have done had my Kinect not failed. But with all that sad news out of the way, let's jump into some more some more encouraging, more hopeful news. Oh, just kidding. Our next story is actually that Mixer's co-founder has left. So the story reads, Mixer, Microsoft's increasingly relevant streaming service, has lost another one of its co-founders this week. Matt Salzmendi has announced his resignation from Microsoft in pursuit of new business ventures. His announcement tweet reads, quote, after five incredible years, tomorrow will be my last day at Mixer. A bit about the story of Beam and what's next for me below. Thank you for everything, blue heart emoji, end quote. And then Tatch, there's a, there's a screenshot with the whole like written up kind of explanation of everything. The announcement comes just weeks after the news broke that James Boom would be leaving the streaming platform after co-founding the company with Salzmendi before selling it to Microsoft in 2016. Attached to Salzmani's departure, announcement is a photo explaining the next steps in his career, as I just said, and he has announced that he will be kind of vaguely working with lasers to create new and exciting ways to pair light technology with electronic dance music. I'll reserve my uh, unwarranted judgment on that. Honestly, until I really looked into the story, I didn't realize, first of all, that the the founders of of uh, beam which later went on to be called mixer when Microsoft bought it the the two co-founders are actually like infants they were they started mixer in like 2013 2014 was like kind of the early inception of beam and these guys were like literally like young teenagers like they were children somehow they they uh they spanned like this this love for like Minecraft and in their kind of desire to make big Minecraft servers into like I I don't know how they but they somehow built beam out of this and then of course Microsoft bought them in 2016 but just knowing that these guys were Technically in the womb when they created Mixer uh, makes me feel like I've accomplished absolutely nothing with my pathetic existence. But this new story doesn't really surprise me all that much when you think about like these guys were kids. Obviously, at this point, at that point in their life, they probably didn't know exactly where they were wanting to go with their lives. And especially after, you know, the money they must have made selling Mixer to Microsoft. Um, I'm sure they're, one, set for life, and two, kind of with the way Microsoft has repositioned Mixer and kind of pushed it themselves and taken it into their their wheelhouse and kind of made it their own, I don't really see what more these two, like, 20-something-year-olds could do with Mixer. It's just kind of like they built it, it was a fun thing, then they sold it, and now it's just kind of time to move on to the next venture, right? Uh, Unless they are deeply passionate about what's going on at Mixer, which... Again, I could understand why maybe if you're 21 years old, you maybe don't want to be sticking around with the same hobby project you did when you were 13 because, you know, you change a lot between being an infant and being a child. So, yeah, they've moved on, uh, both of them now, meaning that pretty much all of Mixer is just in the hands of Microsoft, which is kind of how the platform has felt in recent years, especially as Microsoft this year has been super aggressive about just kind of adding all these awesome features that really set it apart from Twitch and, you know, getting Ninja on board earlier this year and just kind of building this platform up to be like a serious contender in the streaming uh, sphere, which, I mean, I would say, I mean, despite what you you may think of Mixer, it's like at least it's better than whatever the hell YouTube does for game streaming. And um, I don't know, at least in my biased perception, I think Mixer is a pretty viable platform. And I think, you know, if it continues to grow at this rate and continues to gain the traction it's been getting, it is a serious competitor for Twitch, and without these two co-founders in the mix, it just seems like it really is all Microsoft's kind of own child now to bear and to really ramp up and push in full force into this uh, this competitive market to kind of take Twitch down a notch which I would like to see just because as much as I like Twitch I don't I just never like the idea of monopolizing anything and Twitch kind of is like the de facto streaming platform so I just like the idea of there at least being one other major competitor so aside from my love for Microsoft that's actually really why I champion Mixer is just because I'd like to see twitch not be the only option but yeah so good luck to those co-founders as they now move on to creating EDM music and lasers and, and whatever they're doing that if that's what they like that's awesome for them so cool and now it's time for our Halo story of the week which is always exciting because Halo is the best kind of news you can have in regards to Xbox but unfortunately this Halo news might not actually be all that. Uh, good. Who knows? It adds some clarification, so let's get into this. So, um, following the departure of creative director Tim Longo just weeks ago, it appears that executive producer Mary Olson, who was initially reported by Kotaku to be replacing Longo, has left 343 Industries and is now working at Midwinter Entertainment, a team that consists of some ex-343i employees uh, that is currently developing a new game called Scavengers. However, it appears that Kotaku's reporting on Olson. uh, That she would replace Longo in the role of Halo Infinite was, uh, in fact, incorrect. To clarify these mixed reports, 343 Industries Community Manager John Junzek took to Reddit, and his post reads as follows. This is kind of a long one, so bear with me for a second. He says, hey all, I just wanted to jump in and clarify what Tim and Mary's roles were in the studio, because there seems to be quite a bit of confusion here. Before that happens, though, I'd like to reassure everyone that the entire Halo Infinite team is rallying behind the game and is working hard to make sure that we can execute on this vision. Tim's role as creative director was to help make creative decisions around the design and direction of the game, whether it was campaign, multiplayer, etc. Mary's role as an executive producer and then lead producer on campaign was to help drive the game to its completion for our holiday 2020 release date, with the latter specifically focusing on campaign deliverables. Unfortunately, the thread's title saying he was replaced with Mary Olson and also she left is far from accurate. It implies that Mary took over as creative control of the entire game, didn't like what she saw, and then decided to leave. If that's what actually happened, I could totally understand getting worried about the game, but that isn't the case. And she was a lead producer and not a new creative director. Producers at her studios support designers, engineers, artists, etc. by helping each other track and hit deliverables. They also ensure that people they support are not overwhelmed with too much work and that they have all the tools and info needed to hit their deadlines. To put it simply, producers are the ones tasked with making sure the studio is always moving forward. Even our community team has a producer to ensure we're tracking our deliverables, blogs, social media, posts, fighting emails, and whatever pops up in between. And then the post goes on a bit before wrapping up. So... Initially, when I read this story before John jumped in and kind of went took to Reddit to clarify kind of what was going on, my my initial perception was I know a few weeks ago I was saying, you know, Tim Longo leaving, chill the fuck out. It's not the end of the world. This is not, you know, gloom and doom for the for the development of Halo Infinite. Just calm down. But then I saw that Mary Olson was also leaving. I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's time to reel this back a little bit. Maybe there is something going on here. But then this this clarification, this kind of write-up kind of does add some clarity to what all is happening. But at the same time, I feel like it would be almost naive for me to just read this as, oh, okay, everything's fine because they said it's fine. You know, it's like maybe this is like a kind of a PR patch up, you know, like don't don't freak out too much. We got this under control. Nothing bad's happening um, because he doesn't really even speak to like their departure, uh, the departure of these two employees kind of affecting the, the team. He just really I- explains what their roles were and how it's not like detrimental to the development of the game. And so, I don't know, like the kind of cynical part of me that needs to prod the story to extract as much information and speculation out of it as possible says that maybe there's something to be seen here, maybe there's something to read into here. But the part of me that wants to just uh, take his word for his word and, and believe what he's got to say says, still, everything's fine with Halo Infinite. Chill the fuck down. This game's probably going to be okay. But yeah, just to clarify, I mean, Tim left originally as the creative director, which I think is kind of a big deal, just in the sense that that's a, that's a big role. You know, it's not like they lost an artist. They lost a, a, a tester or anything like that. They lost the creative director. You wouldn't give a title like that to someone if it wasn't a big, important title, right? And then they talk about like, you know, Mary leaving as like, losing a producer here's the thing like yes i understand that in game studios this is one of the few roles i do understand what they do that it, it is a lot of like coordinating it's kind of like it's just about like making sure teams are on track everyone has what they need shit's getting done deadlines are being hit i get that but halo infinite's coming out fall 2020 alongside the xbox scarlet whether mary olsen's here helping the teammate deadlines or not so I mean, pr- these producer roles are critical for a game that has to release day and date with this next generation of Xbox hardware. It's This isn't one of those games where they can come out and say, oh, well, unfortunately, you know, the game's gotten delayed. I mean, if the game needs a delay, I would hope, you know, especially under the leadership of, of Phil Spencer, that X- Xbox would be willing to bite the bullet and delay the game if it needed extra time because things are just getting a little wonky with some shake However, this game can't really afford to not release day and date with the Xbox, so... You know, if you're losing someone whose job it is to make sure things are on track and deadlines are being hit and we're approaching our release date, like, you know, in a timely fashion, getting all the work done, that's a big deal, especially for, a, again, especially for a game like this. So I don't just see this as like, oh, it's, you know, it's not like the person who had the creative vision for the game quit halfway through and now the team's like, Leaderless, And we, j- we don't know what we're doing. It's still I think every role is important to a degree uh, I and mean, to varying degrees rather. And this one doesn't seem kind of inconsequential as this post kind of suggests. Um, so I, I don't know. It's I'm, at this point, the fact that they've had these two bigger hands in, in the game leave so close to each other is a little concerning to me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like everything is just 100% okay. But at the same time, I don't think we've reached that point where it's like, okay, this game is in development hell or something's really going on here. I I mean, I think it's just one of those things where it's, you know, people people stayed on with 343 because they loved Halo. They loved making Halo games. And But, you know, after so long of working with one thing, whether it be, you know, just change in kind of work culture or change in public perception of that franchise or just fatigue over working on the same thing for so long people want to leave and move on to new things and i know especially you know in the in the top of the story i mentioned so much um midwinter entertainment and their new game scavenger the reason why that's so relevant to the story to me is because that that team is comprised of so many you know ex-halo people they have they have the jo- josh holmes the old studio head of uh, 343 industries uh leading that team so it's like they're probably also having this thing where it's like a lot of that old work culture that, that really resonated with them is now over in this new studio. The old people they enjoyed working with, the old kind of mantra that 343 probably once held. You know, it's just just like any work environment, you know, things change after after so long of working in one place, you, you find yourself in that position where like, you're the old timer, you know, you don't really resonate with the, the new group of people working there as much. You don't really recognize your workplace as what it once was. There's always that kind of, hazy glory days kind of effect to every job when you have, when you look back and you think, oh, it was always better back in this time period, you know? So it could just be as simple as that, you know, that's all speculation. It could just be as simple as these people are, they see their friends, they see the old work, culture they used to love and enjoy back at either Bungie or 343 in the early days. And now they're over at Midwinter working on this new game called Scavengers, and they want to go be a part of that team and, and re- reignite that kind of dream team. Or maybe it's just as simple as Halo Infinite is... is Actually experiencing some severe issues in development and these people want to get out while they can and and it's just not, you know, maybe it stopped being fun at a point. Who fucking knows at this point? I mean, again, obviously anything is speculation here because we just don't know anything about this game. We don't work at 343. We don't I don't have inside scoops. I don't have sources or any of that shit. I'm just a, a kid fucking behind a computer just talking about Halo. What you know but it is nice to have that clarification just because whenever i mean this is someone you know just trying to tame down the the crowd right just trying to get everyone in order and, and say guys don't freak out you know because we have a game to deliver and it really doesn't look good if the public perception of halo infinite is this game's in trouble but at the same time again if i'm not being cynical I appreciate someone just coming out and kind of giving that clarification to help put our minds at ease and, and to help tell us that, you know, we're overreacting and that everything's okay. That is possibly the most, like, run-on, tangent-y, unproductive rant I've ever had on any news story in the show, which is a big win in my book. So we'll move on from that story because we're not really getting anywhere with it. And our next piece of news is, our next piece of news is another one that has uh, had gamers kind of up in arms and in, in talking a lot, of shit lately, which is that despite the recent upset about Call of Duty Modern Warfare Spec-Up Survival Mode being a PlayStation exclusive for a year, Activision has come out and made at least one good statement about the concerns many had about the upcoming blockbuster Modern Warfare. So basically, Joel Emsley took to Reddit to clarify to audiences that Modern Warfare will indeed not contain any loot boxes or, quote, supply drops or any kind of microtransaction system like that. This comes after weeks of speculation that the game would contain microtransactions after a YouTube video and some Reddit posts began making the rounds, claiming that the game's beta contained references that suggested the final product would contain this much maligned optional content. So this is actually some good news, you know? I mean, obviously, Modern Warfare is kind of dead to me now because for the simple fact that this timed exclusivity thing is just one of those things where it's like, I can't in good conscience support this. I can't give them my money and and allow them to rob me of like a huge portion of this game experience. But this is great. I mean, as we said in that in that week's episode, you know, think about the think about the position of these developers who who develop these these games with all their heart and soul and they pour all this time and energy into it and they just hope audiences enjoy it and have fun playing these games. And then some asshole above their head that they can't, you know, persuade in any way, shape, or form decides, Oh, we're gonna sign an exclusive contract with PlayStation to make this mode exclusive on this console for one year. And you're just like, what the fuck? Because you know, you know, me and my team have been working so hard on this game, just trying to deliver a great product, and now audiences are just gonna hate us for something I didn't even do and something I wouldn't have done if I had the choice. And you know that it's awful. Um, but, still i can't i can't support a game like that but it is good to see that at the very least they're not gonna muddy the conversation even further and make things even more complicated by uh, including loot boxes as some recent call of duty games have and as well, seemingly every game tends to do these days so that is awesome hopefully that calms people down just a bit but you know it won't because the internet and the gaming community is full of people that just like to bitch and moan about everything so i don't know i just i just want to throw that out there to have some kind of silver lining despite that recent awful news that's been surrounding Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So, hey, if you're on PlayStation and uh, and you're going to play Modern Warfare, they, there you go. No loot boxes and you get all the content that the game includes for 60 bucks. So it's good to be you, huh? Uh, our next story. Our next story is a little bit of an update. Let's get back to some happier news. And that is that Sea of Thieves is getting a Halloween themed in-game event. The event is called Fort of the Damned and it's coming as part of the game's monthly update. In this event, players will hunt down ritual skulls and collect flames of fate, which both behave as keys to help gain access to a special fight in the Fort of the Damned. Of course, at the end of the road is more of that sweet, sweet pirate booty, and no, not that cheesy popcorn stuff. A deeper look at the October update can be found in the announcement video released by Rare on YouTube. But we won't go into all that detail here because this podcast is not about... Oh, that's so weird. My computer just notified me about this mode. I literally just got an email notification about about this update as I was reading this story into the microphone. That's fucking weird. But as I was saying, you know, we'll we'll continue on now because uh, I don't play Sea of Thieves. I don't know enough about it to get into it. But that's exciting if you're a Sea of Thieves fan. You got a Halloween event, and we'll move on because this is a podcast about Xbox and Surface phones and not Sea of Thieves. So. Next, another quick little announcement and update, Gears 5 is getting four new characters in multiplayer, as originally promised by the good folks back at the Coalition. The four new characters are the COG Gear, DB, Warden, and General Ram. Each character plays different and offers unique abilities, which gives the player even more free content to enjoy in this brand new AAA Xbox game that is free to download and on Game Pass, which is undoubtedly the greatest value in the history of video games, period. But hey... Let's just keep laughing about Xbox because they stumbled out the gate when the Xbox One was announced over six years ago, and there's no way we can ever give anyone room to make up for their mistakes. We're just a bunch of fucking nerds that like to play Bloodborne and dress up as greasy Overwatch girls at our local anime conventions, because we're all a bunch of fucking heathens. Speaking of video games that have cut my life expectancy in half merely by just existing, League of Legends is coming to consoles and mobile platforms. Oh joy. So we'll just blow through this one for the sake of all of us. Riot Games have announced League of Legends Wild Rift, an entirely new League of Legends game aimed at bringing the popular MOBA experience from the dark, nerdy corner of the computer desk to the warm and welcoming haven of the living room. Oh yeah, and it's on mobile phones too, Because people insist on playing stupid fucking games on their phone. The game has been redesigned to better suit the twin stick setup of a gamepad. And Riot claims that the game is different enough to where this is not a port and cross play will not be a possible feature. Of course, the game will be free to play with plenty of opportunity to waste your real world money on skins. Yay. So this one, the only reason I included this one in, I mean, even though they vaguely just say it's coming to consoles, I assume that means it's coming to Xbox. That's why we're talking about it. But I had to include this one because I can't believe it took them this long to make league of legends come to mobile devices and in addition to that i'm really surprised that they would even bother with the console market you see i mean i know league of legends let's see i feel like league of legends kind of really blew up in like 2014 and kind of hit its its stride its peak in like 2015 2016 and maybe even 17 but especially like the past year or two i feel like league of legends has really died down at least in like the mainstream conversation right when you talk about like the massively obnoxious games that are just like everywhere the ubiquitous like tentpole games it seems like that's uh it's fortnite right fortnite still is still the reigning champ right now and I feel like you know as I've been saying Minecraft's kind of had a bit of a resurgence where it was never not popular but it's kind of getting back up into that like mega echelon of like insane stupidity popularity again where it's just like you know I don't I don't because Minecraft just won't stop yeah league of legends i don't again i'm i'm so far removed from that community i don't play pc games i don't play league of legends i'm not in tune with that very specific community and i'm not very in tune with like the streaming community which is uh, another corner where league of legends is huge but I just can't believe it took him all this time to get that game onto mobile devices, especially being a game that, you know, is so dependent on that. It's, it, I mean, it's, okay, so it's different from like a Halo, right, or an Uncharted. It's not trying to get people who buy $400 consoles to buy a $60 video game, right? It's it's making itself popular by being a free-to-play game that's available on a platform that everyone has to have. And as a result of that, you know, it, it reaches a wide market in parts of the world where console gaming isn't big, so that's why you have like League of Legends as a massive Thing in Korea, in, uh, in Russia, in China, and all, I mean, all these countries where you know it's like people have computers, people have cell phones. Not everyone necessarily has a, a video game console, so I mean, I just it just seems so obvious that they would have put this on phone way sooner. And I remember like four years ago or something, there was that iPhone MOBA game that came out, I think it's called like Vainglory. And it's just like, I remember playing that or seeing that when it came out and being like, yeah, this is League of Legends on iPhone. Why is, again, why is League of Legends not here? Why are they not, why is Riot not like, jumping to this market to be here because you would think it's the same audience right you get like that nerdy deep like streaming mlg community that streams the game and plays it professionally but then you also get like that just massive penetration of every everyone who plays the game because it's free to download and it's available on hardware they already own they don't have to buy a specific piece of hardware in order to play the game so I just I just think it's League of Legends has always been perfect for handheld for mobile rather and I just am surprised it took them this long and I almost wonder if it's too little too late and what makes me really think that is is the is the fact that they're putting this game on console because this is what really gets me I don't see a game like League of Legends making sense on Xbox and PlayStation at all because, again, this is, I mean, it's still going to be free to play, but this is one of those things where it's like they're just trying to expand their market. You know, if if there are 100 million Xbox or sorry, if there are 100 million PlayStation 4s out there in the wild and like 40 to 50 million Xbox Ones out there in the wild. And who knows, they might even be putting themselves on, on the Switch as well. You know, why wouldn't you just have your game there again to penetrate that larger market if you can, you know, especially since the game is free to play. So the only barrier to entry is just. Taking the fucking time to download and try the game out. But, you know, I just, if that game was as big as it once was and everything, you would just think that they would be doubling down, really focusing on where the game has its audience and makes its money, which is in the PC space. Uh, So, just the fact that, like, one, I have anecdotally just not heard as much about this game in the past year as I feel like I used to. And two, the fact that they're trying to push to new markets to really expand their audience. Makes me wonder if, like, maybe League of Legends. I'm, I'm not saying it's failing or doing poorly, but maybe it's really starting to wane in popularity or, or kind of plateau at the very least. And uh, with that said, I'm a little, I'm a little sad to say that the most analysis I was able to offer this week was for a game I absolutely despise. So we're, we're gonna move on from League of Legends now because um, my brain already fucking hurts, and I think I'm going to uh, probably just stroke out and die now. So let's just try to wrap up with some, with some decent news because our next story is a uh, is a is a beautiful story that can wash that disgusting taste out of our mouths. Uh, as we can now look forward to a bright future as developer Rebellion has officially announced Zombie Army 4: Dead Winter, which previous to now had only been leaked or teased. The announcement comes f- with a beautiful trailer that I will reenact for you in audio form only if we can get this week's podcast to 3000 likes. So don't forget to share guys. Uh, zombie Army 4 will release on Xbox One February 4th, 2020, and is available for pre order right now on the Microsoft Store for 50 bucks. Not bad. For those who haven't been enlightened, Zombie Army is a franchise of zombie shooters that takes the best qualities of games like Call of Duty Nazi Zombies and Left 4 Dead and mashes them together in one glorious package. The series began as a spin off of the Sniper Elite series and then kind of came into its own and is now quite possibly better known than the franchise that it originally stemmed from. So please be excited for this game, but yeah, definitely check out that trailer. That game looks fantastic, just like the games that preceded it. It's a it's a really wonderful franchise, and if you really like uh if you really like those kind of fr- frantic zombie shooter games, highly recommend this. This is I guess the reason why the genre resonates to me so much is because these kinds of games are kind of like the best representation of like the modernization of classic games, right? You know, you think about like old NES, SNES, Genesis games, or even arcade games, you think of games like like Contra and all these action games, and it's just like, back then it really was just, you know, people who reminisce and are really fond of classic gaming, it's always about you know gameplay right especially when we look at it in retrospect it's it's just about game it's not about how cool the story was because 99% of games back then had ass stories and you know the the characters didn't have to be cool or original it wasn't about massive open worlds to explore it was really just about like awesome frantic kinetic exciting moment-to-moment gameplay and I feel like these zombie shooters really kind of encapsulate that that spirit better than like any genre in the modern era because you play a game like left for dead or world war z which we'll get into in a minute when we talk about what I've been playing in those games just really capture the spirit of like like it's modern in that like it looks modern it plays modern it's 3d it's first person it's third person whatever the kind of features and functions of the games are very modern so you know it's like a it's like a new game or whatever but it really, it really captures that, like, who gives a shit who these characters are, who gives a shit what the story is, it's not important, you know, we're not trying to make Oscar winning, like, quality storytelling here, we're just trying to make a game that is solely about insanely awesome gameplay and there's nothing like a zombie shooter to really pull that off because it's constant action, it's frantic, there are enough mechanics to keep everything interesting, and it's just, I don't know, it's just that perfect balance of, like, feeling powerful without feeling overwhelmed, but having there be so much action going on and having, like, this kind of enemy type that's, like, some perfect, beautiful balance between, like, fodder and actual, like, crunchy, kinetic action. It's just, I don't know, it's a fantastic series. Highly recommend it. And uh, with that said, you should absolutely go play Left 4 Dead because that game still holds up like a fucking champ. And then a wrap up story for this week is that it has to do with the Project X Cloud. Uh, So public trials have officially begun, and select lucky users that have signed up with their Android devices are now doing some crazy shit like playing Gears 5 and Killer Instinct on their smartphones via the power of Microsoft's Azure. Keep in mind that Microsoft is still selecting new participants for the trial. So if you're like me and you haven't been selected yet, but you did sign up, there's still hope for you. Initial reception to the service has been quite positive with the general consensus being that despite some initial noticeable differences in performance, xCloud runs well enough that the performance gap becomes unnoticeable after a little while of playing, and that the games are just as fun as ever for the most part, but in portable format. While this seems to bode well for Microsoft, there is always the issue of latency and lag due to poor internet connection. So we'll see how things play out as xCloud makes its way to larger markets. But so far, so good. Here's hoping that I can get in soon and report back to you with my own experiences. did get an update email from Microsoft a couple days ago saying that there is still the possibility I'll be selected, but they wanted to know some more information as about like which cell care i have which phone i'm using so hopefully those factors won't you know affect me in a negative way from being selected to participate because i really want to try this service out but you know just stay tuned for more updates on that it's good to see that people are saying some positive things about xcloud as you know that's just one of those technologies that's like has a lot to prove and uh it doesn't i don't know anytime you talk about game streaming it's just one of those conversations with gamers where it's like we're all going to hate it until you prove us wrong so I just, I just like to see Azure and xCloud kind of come out and just kick everyone's ass and and show us how cool this technology can really be. And I'm excited to play Halo Infinite on my Surface Duo next year or so. Let's look forward to that. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's news. And now we're going to wrap up with our ending segments. Of course, our first one being the new game releases of the week. And this week, there are 21 new games coming to Xbox, meaning that we are definitely in that time of the year where shit's just coming out like crazy and we can't keep up with the games. Being that there are 21 games, we're just going to blow through these real fast, faster than ever. You're going to be super impressed with how fast I am. And we're going to, um, you know, it's the same old thing. I look at a screenshot in the title of a game and I tell you everything you need to know about that game simply based off just that information alone. And then you'll make a very informed, uh, very well informed purchasing decision when you get to the Microsoft Store, so you're welcome. First game is called Children of Morta. It comes out a few days ago, so you can play it now. And this is gonna be like a dungeon crawler where you're protecting children. There's like this aura, this globe around this person. And they're basically uh, using like the power of like these runescape graphics to protect their children in this dungeon crawl adventure so if you're a mother type person you might really be into that game our next game is keeping with the top down dungeon crawling looking ex- experience but this game is called planescape torment enhanced edition ice dale enhanced edition so this game is for long-winded people because the title is long uh i think planescape has something to do with uh magic the gathering and so if you're into that kind of fucking nerdy ass shit you can do that but uh just know that you'll lose all friends all respect And you will probably be let go from your job. Our next game is called Boulder's Gate and Boulder's Gate 2 Enhanced Editions. So these are both out, and I won't waste your time with them because we talked about that recently, but now they're out and you can go play them. So there you go, you fucking nerd. If you want even more dungeon crawling, uh, strategic, nerdy ass computer, RuneScape looking bullshit, the first three games of the week offer all that. So you fuckers have plenty to play. This next game is called The Fisherman Fishing Planet. This game actually looks amazing. It looks like a nice fishing game. It looks like the kind of kind of game I'd play with the boys, you know. Kind of come down, we get some fishing going. We get we get our rods together. We we whip out our rods and and we uh and we start doing what we do best. So if you're if you're about just if you're a simple man that likes a simple good time, you should play the fisherman. Our next game is called Zombieland Double Tap Road Trip. Now this game actually has me really intrigued. For real, I'm gonna stop for a second. This is a well, first of all, it's a twin stick shooter which is a genre I, I I love. The graphics honestly look awful. Uh, but you play as the characters from the Zombieland movie franchise and and you twin sticks shoot the hell out of zombies, which is right up my alley and so initially when i saw that this game was coming out this week i was like i'm probably gonna buy this We're two weeks out from halloween i'm in the i'm in the mood i want to shoot some zombies i love twin stick shooters let's do this 20 bucks here we go and then I'm like oh shit it's a 40 dollar game i don't know how the hell you justify that i promise you this game is probably not longer than like four to six hours but somehow they they they're like 40 bucks for that please uh you know i guess that zombie land licensing fee isn't isn't all that cheap So they got to make their money somehow. But what also really twisted the knife and kind of of intensified this longing to try this game is that it's actually developed by uh, high-voltage software, which is kind of a deep cut that I I assume absolutely no one will recognize. But these are the guys that uh, actually made that Conduit series on the Nintendo Wii like 10 years ago, (laughs) which were those games that were trying—they built their own engine, and they were trying to really push the limits of the Nintendo Wii and make it look as like— HD as possible and really get the best lighting and texture out of the Wii to have it kind of compete with the uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 graphics and capabilities of the time because if you remember 10-15 years ago that was kind of the conversation with the Wii was that you know despite it being more of a casual gamer console it just couldn't fare you know with the Xbox 360 and the PS3 because it didn't have the online support and it didn't it wasn't in HD and just it really didn't have the power of its of its counterparts. Um, I always really respected high voltage software for really trying to make that premiere like Halo-like experience for the Nintendo Wii, and I was kind of a really big fan of those Conduit games, especially the second one. It was actually a pretty damn good game, and I think Sega published both of them, uh, and then they were supposed to make this game called, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was it was going to be kind of like Left 4 Dead meets Conduit, and it looked so good, and you shot like like vampires and monsters and werewolves and shit, and you were like gunslingers, and it was like kind of like this western horror-looking game. It looked so good. And they had videos of it and gameplay. You can look it up. You can find it. I forget what the game was called, but look up High Voltage Software. Look at their canceled game for Nintendo Wii. It looks so good. And then halfway through development, they canceled it. And then they rebooted it as a twin-stick shooter for um, the Xbox 360 and PS3. And then they just never said anything about it again. The game never came out. They quietly just shut it down. And then they were making a conduit game for the 3DS, and that never came out. And just, like, I thought I thought the studio went under, I guess. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I thought that studio was, like, long gone. Apparently, they've just been doing, like, licensed games for a very long time and kind of been, like, support studios uh, for um, varying projects. Um, so they have worked on some big things. I think they worked on Fortnite, so I guess they did some support development with Epic Games for that. But, yeah, so here they are with Zombieland Double Tap. I can't, Again, I haven't played the game yet, but it looks good. The graphics look awful. But it's like it's the kind of game I want to play. It's it's interesting to me. But for forty dollars, you know that's a big ask. Probably just wait till it's on sale. Um, but you know that's a game. That's one of our twenty-one games. And from there, we're gonna go back into shooting through the rest of these. Our next game is called Just Ignore Them, and I'm gonna recommend you just ignore this game because it's another one of those eight-bit indie art games. And you know what? I have no respect for artists. Our next game is called Soul. Uh, but do not be confused. Uh, this is not about the sole of your shoe. It is about the Soul of Eternity. As you were in a dungeon-type room, it's very artsy and watercolor-looking. It's um, there's no characters here. I don't see if you're supposed to like jump on anything or shoot anything. So that game's probably stupid. Our next game is called Ping Redux. It basically looks like asteroids, uh, but it can't justify the bad graphics because you know we live in in a time where we we've, we've gotten past these kinds of games. Um, but you know the reason why I'm gonna not write this game off is because. Um, if you're a really cool retro game fan, you know if you if you grew up with retro games. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those guys who's like 37 and you have like a kid or two, um, and you and you bought that one of those like uh, one of those like uh, centipede shirts at Target, and occasionally you like to drink craft beer on the weekends and tell your friends. I remember the Atari 2600. This is the kind of game for you because it shows that you don't have to be good at using analog sticks on a modern video game console to be a gamer. And that sometimes a little bit of ping redux is all you need. Plus, the game's Xbox One X enhanced, so that's pretty fucking cool. Probably makes the game look like a masterpiece once you once you kick on that mode. Uh, our next game is called Sea Salt. I'm more a fan of iodized I, I, iodized salt, ionized, iodized salt. So yeah, that's a game. It's like a pirate 2D indie game. Our next game is called Felix the Reaper. This game looks kind of weird as shit. There's, like, pink and purple, and there's, like, a guy with headphones dancing. He looks kind of like Baymax in a suit. Uh, And there's a a cigar company in the background. So this is probably a dancing game, if I had to guess. But I'm actually going to recommend you check that out because it looks pretty cool. It's a puzzle game. If it's a puzzle game, don't play it. Fucking puzzle games are stupid. Our next game is called Stella with one L. I hate that. It's called, like, it's called Stella. Like, they spell it S-T-E-L-A. I wish there was a second L, but there isn't. And the picture is just basically an abandoned, like, meat packaging plant. No, like like a butcher room with like dead animals hanging from the ceiling um that's probably just a game for vegans honestly but then the next game is called the jack Jackbox jack box party pack six these games are a lot of fun if you ever have a lot of friends over at your place that's a it's a fun game to play and you don't need controllers you can use your phones and, and connect to it so those games are actually really really good little dick off games so recommend that the next game is called stranded sails explorers of the cursed islands which is a uh Again, another RuneScape-looking game, uh, but with a little more of a Minecraft influence. But it's top-down, uh, so it's probably more like Ornament Valley. Our next game is called Kine, uh, which is I like. I like this art style. It's like got a comic book art style, but I, I don't. I really don't understand what's happening. There's like some phonograph thing, and I'm from the era of smartphones, so I don't know what to make of that, and it scares me. So I'm going to move on. Next, to Pig Eat Ball. I'm, I'm not going to recommend this game to you because the game looks fucking stupid. I don't even know what I'm looking at. But that is a fantastic name for a game. Pig Eat Ball. Love it. And then we got Warbital. Warbital is our next game. It looks like some intergalactic space fighting game. Do not let this fool you. Just because they changed the setting with space, this is still some nerdy-ass, little fucking greasy, Magic the Gathering-type game that I'm not going to recommend to anyone. So, fuck that. Our next game is called Return of the Obra Dinn. I don't know what to make of that, but I really do love this. Uh, I, actually, I'm... I, I'm actually going to read the description for the first time, like ever, because this actually has me intrigued. It's like a first-person 3D game, but the art style is like, uh, I don't know how to describe this, like it's like there's no color in it, but it's not black and white. It's got like a green hue to it. It's kind of like cel-shaded looking a little bit, but I like the setting of the game, so I'm going to read this to you really quick. In 1802, the merchant ship Obra Dinn set out for London for the Orient with over 200 tons of trade goods. Six months later, it was declared lost at sea. Early this morning of October fourteenth, eighteen o seven, the Oberdin drifted into the port of Falmouth, which, with damaged sails and no visible crew, as insurance investigator, as an insurance investigator for the, for the East India Company's London office, find means to board the ship and prepare an assessment of damages. I actually think that sounds really fucking badass, and I like how it, it pulls like historical events with uh, you know, like a, I don't know. I just feel like games just never really go back and explore like kind of. 18th, 17th, 19th century in, in gaming, and I feel like that's cool. I wish we had more like colonial games or, or kind of civil war based games. And I like that it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a shooty action slashy killing game. It seems like it's more of like a investigative, maybe like a walking simulator type game. So I'm actually going to probably look into that myself a little more. Our next game is called Driven Out Ice Age Scrats Scrats Nutty Adventures is our next game. Uh,. <laughs> this is ice age like the the fucking movie franchise from 20th century fox and there's this is like the movie tying game that they stopped making like 12 years ago but i love it it's probably a platformer it's probably fun uh as long as the game's not horribly unpolished that actually might be uh, worth checking out Uh, our next game is called plants for zombies battle for neighborville which you already know about it's been in the news a little bit here and there that's officially out, or maybe it's the Founder's Edition. I don't fucking remember. Uh, but play that if you like plants and zombies at the same time. And then our last game is called Mega Aquarium. This is basically what I, what I assume is going to be like a... It's, it's, like, it's like Roller Coaster Tycoon, but for aquariums. So if you're into orca whales and things like that, which I am certainly not, that is a game you can check out. And then that's going to do it for our, our new games this week. And then just as a reminder, you know, there's always the uh, Xbox Live Gold games for the month. So a quick reminder of that. Yeah, Tembo the badass elephant for the rest of the month till the 31st. That's a thing you can do. Friday the 13th, the game is now available. That just started on October 16th. and runs through November 15th. So you can now download that one, which you couldn't do last week. Uh, and then Bolt, Disney's Bolt, uh, unfortunately you missed out. It, it stopped being available as of the 15th. That's our first 360 game of the month, and it's it's gone now. So if you didn't download that that gem of a game, you're, you fucking missed out. And then our next game is Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Edge, uh, which is now available uh, as of yesterday and will be available through the rest of the month. The, it's the other 360 game of the month. It's Ninja Gaiden 3. It's Razor's Edge. It's sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. It's everything you gotta know. And that's gonna do it. Um, I will I will say, you know, in regards to Bolt, I did play Bolt. I tried to play it. I thought I was gonna like it. I made it about 30 minutes in and I quit. It's just fucking obnoxiously boring. But it is very funny kind of doing that, like, brawler combat as a, as a tiny dog. You spend most of your time just jumping and, like, dashing in air. It just looks insane. But, yeah, that's a game. So we'll wrap out, we'll we'll round out this week with uh, what I've been playing, and like I like I was getting at, it's World War Z. It is now out on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, please download this game. If you don't have Game Pass, please get Game Pass. If you're not planning on getting Game Pass, even though I just asked you to, please stop listening to my show. Take your Xbox, pack it back up in your Nintendo Switch packaging, uh, ship it to some guy in 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 Montreal and uh put a put a piece of dog poop in the in the in the dish tray because you're fucking moron because world war z is phenomenal um i've wanted to play this game since it came out uh but i just knew deep in my balls that it was going to be on game pass sooner or later and here we are like six months after the game's released it's on game pass baby i'm playing it it's good shit it's really good I, i didn't expect it to be this good i expected to like at least like it but i think I think I might even love it. It's it's really good. The game feels very polished. The shooting feels great. Kind of like I was saying earlier with the uh, Zombie Army trilogy, it has that perfect balance of, like, the zombies feeling like fodder but not, not to, like, a fault where it feels like you're not, like, actually, like – shooting into them uh so like just the combat feels fantastic the game runs fast and frantic with no hit- hiccups there's the very you know it's very very left it's very like unashamed to be a left for dead clone which i love because if we're not gonna get a new left for dead game I might as well have other people make us new left for dead games because fuck you valve uh, so yeah it's it's if you like left for dead it's left for dead you got health packs you got to work together as a, a squad of four you got you like smokers and pouncers and all those different enemy types are very similar to left for dead uh, special zombie types, and it's like chapter by chapter. You get into escape rooms and kind. Of, it's exactly like Left 4 Dead, uh, but in the best way possible. And with the exception that it is a third person game, not a first person game. Uh, again, if you're not playing this game, you're fucking moron. It is very loosely based off the world of World War Z, which was first a novel, then a Brad Pitt movie, and now it's a game. Uh, don't concern yourself with the movie. I don't give a shit about the book because reading's for fucking nerds. But the video game you should absolutely be playing because it is phenomenal. Um, so that's uh, that's it's really not so much a recommendation as it is a requirement. Um, so play that this week unless you want to be left out. And then the other game I'm playing is just a little more Metro Exodus. I'm, kind of making my way through that game slowly it's on my list of games i want to play for the halloween season and there's no way i'm gonna get close to finishing that list off because I've just been very bad at finding time to play games and now i got world war z to keep me distracted which is all good it's a great game and it's a it's a worthy game of my uh of of, it's a worthy if something's gonna distract me i'd rather it be something like world war z Uh, so definitely check that out and that's gonna do it for our Uh, episode this week don't forget to follow me on social media you can find me at multi-use copy paper on twitter and on instagram at designed by hmd global bertel jungen uh, k9 finland model ta-1045 fccid 2aj0 tta 1045 made in china do not recycle